heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland Today on this Tuesday, the 14th of February. A very good morning to everybody listening to us across the Resonate Broadcast Network through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. So much to get through this morning and a big, big show for everybody. Uh, looking forward to getting into it this morning. So much to get through. We're going to try and get on to Peter Ridd, uh, the reef scientist. We're also going to talk about this housing crisis, have a look at the weekend in sport and obviously this Australian cricket team and much, much more. It's a huge show. It's a big one for you. A very good morning to everybody listening to us wherever you are. Um, gee whiz, it's been hot. Uh, heat bombs, sweat bombs, that's what they're calling it at the moment. I uh, absolutely um, can't get over how humid it is. Gee whiz, it's hit late and it's hit hard. We've got a big show for you. Let's get into it. Peter Reid joins us next. This is Rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Dr. Peter Ridd joining us this morning at the top of the show. Uh, the Environmental Minister, Tanya Plibersek, refused a new coal mine because the risk of pollution and irreversible damage to the reef was very real and the mine was less than 10 kilometres from the reef. It's actually 10 kilometres from the headwaters of a muddy mangrove creek that flows into the Broad Sound, the muddiest part of the Queensland coast. The reef is over the horizon, 180 kilometres away, but this is the way that this government goes. Doctor, good morning. Uh, I, I understand and we're all of the belief that the reef needs protecting, but this kind of rhetoric and these lies that are being told once again, and, I, and I'm not being rude to, to Tanya Plibersek, but she needs to actually tell the truth when the Australian public are asking for answers on why these coal mines weren't approved. That's right. I mean, essentially, if you know, if there was a reef really, really close to the to a, a reef, you would expect, uh, you know, maybe to do something, or maybe really close to that coal mine, there's some other environmental thing, but um, you know, there's not. So essentially, she completely misled the Australian public, uh, and that's not good enough. But that's actually exactly what uh, the scientists do. They do this all the time. So, for example, with farmers, they talk about oh, we've found uh, pesticides in reef waterways, you know, and, oh, that looks bad. We've found 243 different chemicals in reef waterways. And you think, well, that must be in the water, you know, inside the reef or just outside the reef. But it's not. It's in the rivers flowing into the coast, which is, in many cases, 100 kilometres away from the reef. So there's this complete deception going on all the time, not just by Tanya Plebiscic, but by the scientific institutions, it really has to stop. Yeah, and, and this is it. Why is there such a variance? And rivers and estuaries and muddy bays are not the Great Barrier Reef. And the reef has beautiful coral, has beautiful colourful fish. Why is it that they think that there's so much damage going to come? And you, you, you look at it, you know, the mud from the Fitzroy River, right, it, it, it you know, sure, it... it it's murky, then why is the reef so clear? I've never seen the water so clear at the moment. Never seen the water in my life so clear. And I, I mean, I'm 46, but I can tell you now, it, you don't have to be a scientist to know that that it actually, it actually is, what we're doing is something right. I don't know why they continue to go down this road. 
No, exactly. But you see, one of the arguments they use, and this is one of these spurious arguments, they'll say, well, yes, uh, broad sand, which is incredibly muddy. I mean, there is just billions of tons of mud in that bay. Um, you know, it's an important ecosystem. And because some fish might swim between the reef and the you know, broad sand, it's true. There, um, there are some species that do it. And if you damage the inshore, then you damage the Great Barrier Reef. And there's an element of truth in that. But but the thing is, it's a minuscule amount. You know, when it's a, over 100 kilometres away in this case, yes, ecosystems are, are, are interconnected, but not to the extent that if you damage something 100 kilometres away, there's going to be complete loss uh, where you are. So, yeah, you're right. The reef is incredibly clean. Um, the, the mud from the Fitzroy, which has been coming out for you know, thousands of years, works its way up the coast and gets trapped in broad sound where there are seagrass beds and things like that. But there are no corals and the whole Australian public, and by the way, this got right around the world. You know, yeah. this was on the BBC yeah. and various other places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it is just typical of the deception that goes on. There's a lot of deception that's been going on for a long, long time. How do we get a, 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 a theory or a testing or a science that, that we can all use that is that is regulated? I suppose that's the word I'm looking for, Peter, because your theories are right. Some lunatic crackpot who decides to to come out with a theory, if that suits the agenda of the day of the political party, well, then they're going to go down that road. And we've seen this happen, you know. I, I just don't understand how we can't get science regulated to a degree. Well, what we need is we need a science reddening, which is, you know, you need you need to see an argument. You need to be able to see one side say, oh, well, the mine will kill the Great Barrier Reef, and then you need another group who will say, no, they won't. And then people can look at that and decide which one makes sense. And I know which, the, which most people would agree with, that this mine doesn't kill the reef. So that's our problem, and this is why I've been calling for this uh, Institute of um, Policy Science Quality Assurance, uh, where we actually have a red team to challenge the dodgy science coming out, or it might be the dodgy statements that are coming out from some of the politicians. Um, And I think this is what the Liberal National Party uh, should be thinking of as as a policy. I know they're looking at it. I know that the One Nation and the Cata people and the various others they can see that there's clearly a problem with our scientific institutions, clearly a problem with so much of the information we get about the reef and something's going to have to be done. But you're going to have to pay to get scientists to to actually call this out because at the moment, if a scientist calls this out, they can lose their job. I mean, that is essentially what happened to me. And, um, and people can see that this is what will happen to you. And until they do something about that... Um, uh, it's, this is going to go on and on and on. It's been going on for sixty years, and it's not going to stop. Yeah, and that's the um, that's the big thing. If you say something that could be factually correct, that doesn't actually um, go in line with the way work or the the way a company or uh, an organisation wants, you, you 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 lose your job, and and you're actually systematically right. That's the problem. You. you, you it's a freedom of speech. It's a really dangerous place that we swim in, Doctor, because of this now. Because we're making decisions long-term that have massive effect on the farming and agricultural community on a person's theory that might be doing that to protect their own job. Nothing more. Nothing more. Well, look, there's, there, there are now, you know, there must be at least 10,000 people on the Queensland coast 
whose job depends on the Great Barrier Reef is doomed to scare, right? And, uh, you know, most of those won't actually tell lies, but a lot of them, almost all of them will keep, you know, keep, will say nothing um, because they know what's going to go on. Uh, yes, it, it is a freedom of speech problem, but you've got a you've got a systemic problem in the science institutions which can be fixed. You just need to say, all right, we've got um, group thinks taken over in the universities and in the Australian Institute of Marine Science and the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park Authority. The only way you can break group think is to set up another organisation whose sole purpose is to say all right, you work out what's wrong about this. We're not interested in what's right. You know, if you can't find anything wrong, then we'll assume that it's all, all okay. But your job is to criticise. Yeah. And that's just not happening in this science at the moment. Yeah, sure. Oh, it, it makes sense. Peter, uh, another another absolute silly decision by the Environmental Minister, but, you know, a, a little bit of clarity around it. Uh, leaves all of us some of the rhetoric to talk about. Appreciate your time. Thanks for making yourself available this morning. As usual, Dr. Peter Ridd, reef scientist, really appreciate your time. No worries. Thank you. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. Let's talk calf roping. That's up next. Back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. I was absolutely horrified when in the country live, in the Courier Mail, sorry, yesterday, um, animal welfare groups are pushing for calf roping to be banned in Queensland, insisting a new study proves the act is violent and callous. I mean, Jesus, seriously. I don't know a single person who's involved in the agricultural industry who is cruel. I don't know people who are involved in the radio industry that are cruel. It's a sport. It's been a sport for hundreds of years. It's what we do in the bush. It's not nasty. It's not cruel. And the National Radio Association have done more than ample amounts of time to show that they are doing everything within guidelines to make this a animal-friendly and absolutely at no point in any way causing any unnecessary or suffering to animals. Been proven. National Radio Association Chairman Jason Hall, uh, rightly so, it joins us this morning, but would be concerned because, unfortunately, in this day and age, the loudest voice sometimes always gets the answer, whether or not it's the right answer or not. Jason, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, good morning, Ben. Lovely to be here. Uh, concerning is an understatement, um, but this is the w- world we live in, whether or not people trespassing on your dairy farm or whether or not they're talking about castrating calves or dehorning or whether or not they get to the point that now calf roping is deemed, uh, and the exact words, is violent and callous. It, it, it's not right, but it then has to have a response. Yeah, look, it, I mean, there's obviously a big list that, that people are working through of, of things that are that are dangerous. I'm not sure what's going to be left in that list is complete. But, um, yeah, look, we, we've done quite a lot of work with, with not only the, the radio industry bodies, but also veterinary science bodies and animal welfare groups, including the RSPCA. Um, they were all involved in the, the, the writing group that put together the new code of practice for radio in Queensland. Um, we all sat in a room together. It was quite a quite a good, uh, a long process, but a good one where everyone had their views and we came up with a, a code of practice that, that all agreed to and that was implemented by our government uh, kicking off 1st of January last year and, and we've certainly been abiding by that and, and have seen um, you know no, no issues since it came in. So why now? Where does this welfare group, where does the study come from? Can I ask that? Um, it was conducted by the RSPCA who, I mean, 
gone on the RSPCA that are looking after rehoming of dogs. They're far from that now. They're just not. What was the RSPCA study and how did it come about? Oh, look, to, to be perfectly honest, Ben, I haven't even bothered to have a, a good look at the study. It was only just released. My understanding is it's a, a behavioural study so someone's yeah, looking at the behavior that's right. of the, that's right. I'm the just, calves right so. yeah, yeah they're showing and i'm and i'm sorry i laugh because i'm i i but when this gets written like this the rspca showed animals had a sign of fear and distress i, I don't know what that looks like i, I, I don't so know I, can, I, I don't know what that looks like i mean we we uh prior so back in about 2015 um the school of veterinary science at the university of queensland uh, did a, a study where they basically compared um, two control groups of, of calves, one that were roped um, through a, through a, an exercise um, and another another set of calves that were just pushed through a set of yards and, and you know, rounded up by horses as, as you would normally for any sort of husbandry around, um, around calves and blood levels were taken from both calves prior to that exercise, each of them going through that and after that. And that, that study showed that there were the stress levels that the calves experienced were, were pretty much exactly the same for both control sets of calves. So, um, you know, and that, and that was a study that was used um, mostly going into the writing of that code of practice that where everyone, uh, where everyone saw. So, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. Obviously, someone didn't like the outcome of that, so they, they tried to find a new way to come about it. In America, the, the, they rope every single calf they mark. Like, but so... Well, not just in America. I mean, well, around the world. You're, 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 yeah, you know, around the world. That's right. Around the world. It, it, happens, it happens here in Australia as well. Obviously, we. we, we uh, I mean, a lot of the time we use a cradle here traditionally, and and for whatever reason. But I mean, to to fundamentally come out and say that, and, and this Dr. Evans, who is Australia's senior scientific officer, we might get uh, Dr. Evans on, Di Evans, because I mean, she was the co-author of this study. It caused unnecessary and unjustable suffering. It said they had physical injuries like bruising and broken ribs. I mean, seriously, how how, how would she know that? I mean, yeah, how, okay. how, how, like I'm, this is what I'm saying. Like, I mean, it's a dangerous world now. Now, as the National Radio Association, who is doing everything in their right way, as you said, you sat down at the table and you said, "Righto." Where do we want to play? And, and and you got the writing instructions, and literally have stayed in that lane the whole time, if not improved them. You do not want at all to have this kind of cruelty. But you know, it's in the Courier Mail. So I literally work for uh, Triple M in the afternoons, um, a big metropolitan radio station. And my producer, who's English, he brought it up as a chat. I oh, should we be talking about this? I'm looking at him like because he doesn't know any different. He, he doesn't know any different. He reads that in the Courier-Mail and it's gospel. And that's the worrying part. So I don't know how we sell the story the other way, Jason. That's that's my concern because they get the loudest voice, unfortunately, at the moment, the RSPCA. I, I think I think you've got to take a much much broader holistic view uh, at, at this type of thing. I mean, rodeo and the events that form the sport of rodeo, as a camp draft and lots of the Western sports that we're involved in are, are the heritage or the culture of yep. this country. 100%. And we've been doing it for hundreds of years. Um, and and the, the events that typically go with these events, so the rodeos and the camp drafts and the shows, bring 
bring millions upon millions of dollars to regional communities. And usually, I mean, we've had some pretty good seasons of late, but you know, prior to that, some of those regional communities are really hurting. And you know, we we did a study back in 2019 that showed that rodeo in itself, and we had over over 220 rodeos in Queensland alone in in 2019, and over 62 million dollars of you know was brought to those economies in in regional Queensland. And you know, the, the lifeblood of of these things, yeah, um, of these communities, come from these types of events. Yeah, dead right. Appreciate your time. Just another bloody thing you didn't need to worry about. You need to worry about trying to put a season together, not worried about having to deal with this kind of stuff. Great to chat. Thank you so much for being with us. Always happy to talk, Ben. Thank Good you on you. Time. We'll take a break, come okay. back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Let's just take a look around the grounds at this moment, and the all-breed sale is underway, and Brahmins took on centre stage of day one. Uh, the Dry Creek Brahman Stud tops the opening day of the 2023 February All-Breed Sale. Uh, it was a high of 32,000 on the opening day being reported uh, out of there by Kent Ward, who is an expert in all 59 bulls, set an average of 6,542 to average 53%. Four used Brahman size, average 15,000 for an 80% uh, clearance at auction. Brahman females, complete clearance at $6,250 for an average sold for 30 sold. And uh, that is where that all went. The last two breeds on Opera were the Charbray and Charolais saw the greatest demand in 39 Charbray bulls posted, uh, an average of 8692 selling to 23000 to top, um, and that was a 91% clearance. And the averages, obviously, with the Charolais breed, in all 33 bulls averaged 9,009 with a clearance of 92%. The bottom line uh, saw 148 bulls sold for an 8,000, close on $8,000 average, a 66% clearance of the catalogue. So that was where they were, the top of Dry Creek uh, for 32,000 a Brahmin. That is what led it. And so obviously there would be people a little disappointed um, with the 66% clearance on that February all-breed sale. Uh, that is being reported um, obviously by Kent Ward, and that was yesterday uh, at Gracemere. There is a lot also going on um, where we talk about with this housing crisis. And Stephen Miles is getting himself into a real predicament by uh, taking on people around housing and youth crime. Now, I don't know what agenda Stephen Miles is pushing, whether or not he is trying to, to go after the top job in Parliament, but he certainly is not making any friends with inside his own party. He's now turned his attention to the State Attorney-General, Shannon Fenderman, and she is in the headlights now, remembering that he has been, while the Premier was away, he was straight into the Health Minister about the health crisis up in Gladstone and Rockhampton. He's been trying to take on all issues to try and show that maybe he's the right person to take on this next top job. There's no two ways about it. Housing crisis across, social housing crisis across uh, Queensland is unbelievable and youth crime is unbelievable. Two huge issues. But with youth crime comes a lot of other things. There has been countless, countless conversations about it and it doesn't seem like the Premier or his party are really looking to fix it. 
Now, the Deputy Premier has had scorching rhetoric, it's been reported. At the weekend, 13 kids were released, breaching their bail conditions and curfews and rules. So they were released last week, and within the weekend, that all breached at 13 of them. One juvenile was found non-compliant and was returned to custody for consideration for bail, a police spokesman said. Since being granted bail on February 9th, none of the juveniles had been arrested or charged with any offences. Yet Stephen Miles is coming out and telling us all the negative stuff. Treasurer Cameron Dick, well, he's distanced himself from Mr Miles. So there is obviously a political fight going on around youth crime and I'm not quite sure who is actually going to win it. Cameron Dick, to me, would be the likely candidate, if ever there was one, to take over the seat of Anastasia Palaszczuk as Premier of this state, remembering we have an election very shortly. Peter Dutton has said sorry, and this was reported in the Courier-Mail, but I was watching this yesterday with great interest, but Peter Dutton, the opposition leader, has said sorry for boycotting the apology to the stolen generations on the 15th anniversary of this historic event. The opposition leader has since said the decision was a mistake and he apologised for his actions. Pretty big words from the opposition leader and to offer a formal apology in Parliament and to make it clear that he believed it was a mistake uh, I think shows how far we've come. He said, and this was a quote, I failed to grasp the time, the symbolic significance of the stolen generation of the apology, he said in the House of Reps. I want to speak directly to those in the gallery today and the further afield who are part of the stolen generation and those who are the descendants of the connection to the issue. I want to say in an unscripted way, I apologise for my actions. I've apologised for that in the past and I repeat that apology today. Dutton was among a handful of MPs who spoke in Parliament on Monday to commemorate the anniversary of the former Labor Prime Minister Kevin Rudd's 2008 apology. Significant thing, what Peter Dutton did, and extremely brave, extremely brave. Are we at all concerned about what's being shot out of the sky in the US? Now, US warplanes have once again shot yet another flying object. That's the fourth in a week. Remembering, initially, it was a drone from China that had come into US airspace and they said it got lost. Well, there's now been four. The latest object was described as octagonal in shape and was seen at an altitude of 20,000 feet, six kilometres, near the US-Canadian border. And rightly so, it was shot down. Now, there is people and intelligence in America who are getting very panicky. They deserve some answers, the people in America, and we all deserve to know where these are coming from and why they are being shot down, and there's been four in a week. These objects, the Chinese are calling them research balloons, were shot down the first one in South Carolina. That was on the president's orders. The US brought down an object over Alaska on Friday and yet another at Yukon in Canada, and on Saturday, the one right on the border. Only the first object so far is being attributed or connected to Beijing. Now, 
it's unclear what these objects are. But things aren't looking good and I think it's a concern that we are constantly seeing and hearing this happening without any answers. We don't need another war but we know what the states are like and we know what America is like and that's how they make money. That's how they get jobs. Um, interesting to say that China and Australia uh, have just forged a relationship. I know Palaszczuk has just talked about how wonderful our relationship is. It will be interesting to see where this leads in the next couple of weeks. But not great news with four objects now being shot out of the air in America and we know what that looks like. It's early doors. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. 24th, 25th of February, we'll see the Adrian Vowles Cup descend on Charleville. Uh, it's the 10-year anniversary and what an unbelievable, unbelievable thing this is. This is just an absolute awesome event and rugby league at its greatest. Adrian Vowles, former NRL player from Charleville, joins us this morning. Hello, Vowsey. How are you, mate? How are you, Dobbo? Uh, mate, congratulations. Ten years. Wow. Yeah, How bloody amazing, good is that? Mate. Unbelievable. Heard a thought myself and the mayor of Charleville would have got a carnival up and running and, and it lasted ten years, eh? Unbelievable. Um, mate, talk to me about it. Just, just talk exactly about the whole thing. It, it's obviously... Um, been it was a brainchild you and Zorro when you when you all looked at it, but you've got forty four teams. How many teams did you first have? We started off with three teams in two thousand and fourteen, and well, in fact, we had three teams. I drove driven all the way out to travel for the carnival, and and two teams pulled out, so we didn't have the carnival. And then we ended up having another carnival again six months later. But three teams. Central West Miles and Charleville, and then I think the next year we might add six, and then it just sort of just kept growing and growing and growing each year. And you know, Zara and I, all we wanted to do was, you know, if, if we got one extra team a year, that was all we were worried about, just trying to grow it. And but then it sort of grew its own legs, then, and then then it just brings a massive financial boost to the town now as well. I mean, forty-four teams. I mean, that's hundreds and hundreds of kids plus families. Um, the town would be booked out, but it it gives kids in the cities and 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 an idea also of what it's like to play in the bush. Yeah, hundred percent. That's the biggest thing, and you, you you know as well as me, mate. Like it's you travel long distances. You know, if you're in the town, and you go on training. It's not too far to go to training, but when you're playing games, it's you know, you know probably the closest games to some towns is a couple of hours, and then if you play. You know, rep teams or something that's five, six hours all in one day trip. So just, it just, you know, the parents are, are, the, are the key here, as my parents were. They did so much for us, Zorro's parents. And I think that's why we give back because we know how much they, uh, they did for us as kids. And that's, we're just trying to do the same thing they did as, you know, for us and just keep footy alive. And yeah, the, the city kids come out and they'll, uh, they'll go, geez, that's a long drive, you know. And then, then they get a sense of, well, hang on, geez, we have it pretty good in the city. We've got all this gear, we've got equipment, we've got this, that and the other and, and these kids have hardly got that much at all and yet they just have a smile on their face. Valsy, what, what makes it such a special place, Charleville? Can you, and, and it is a special place. Growing up there as a kid and playing footy out of there, what make, made it so special? 
Oh, for me, like, I was lucky. I grew up in Cunnamulla and so I just it was the town was just for me. It's 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 just the community feel, you know. Like everyone knows each other. Um, can't get into too much trouble because there's always someone watching you out there. But sport was the was the key for for for, for country towns, be it cricket. You know, I play cricket, baseball, tennis, I swam, and all that rugby league, and it was the key. Everyone just got around sport, and you know, we had big crowds and. And you know, every you know, when it was cricket season, I couldn't wait to play cricket. When it was footy season, it was the same. But just that mateship, you know, and probably in the in the country, it's just so relaxed. You know, it's so relaxed. There's no, no one's in a hurry. Whereas you're in the city, and everyone's sort of probably in a hurry and not as friendly. But no, yeah, just that friendship. Well, it's been wonderful. Um, I mean, we've got teams coming from Brisbane to Woomera, Mount Isa, Roma, South Burnett, Pitchwood, Pitchworth, and heaps more. And ten years. What should they expect? Obviously. You know, when kids go out there, um, you know, they go to play football, it'll turn on the heat, no doubt, but that's part of it, you know, like it's learning to play. But the field is in great nick, and obviously there's a lot going on at night time as well. Yeah, it's just, it just has such a communal feel. So we've got people there that have been coming out for those 10 years as well. So Zara and I, we've always been hands-on with this carnival. We we run it, and then Pete Raft from the Curl, we run this carnival. We talk to everyone, we're... You know, we have a beer with everyone. Used to be only one night, now it's two nights. But it's um, we just try and run like that. And then the kids come out. Now they go out to the Ward River and they have a swim in the river. And, you know, and just really experience the country life. And that's after the after the carnival finishes on a Saturday night. There's still kids when it finishes around seven, but there's still kids playing footy on the oval at ten o'clock at night. Like, yeah, it's just so, such I a love great, that. Great experience. I love that, mate. The big thing out of it is that, you know, it, it grows the game of rugby league. We see all these young young blokes who are making their debuts, but there is a real spot for blokes like yourself and, and Capes and, and, you know, to an extent, you know, Tom Flegler from up north. And there is a real – I mean, there's a Rattle at the moment who um, – John Rattle who, who who's from Taroom on Darwin yep. and, you yep. know – there is a real connection with the boys from the bush who, and, and the boys and, and women who are obviously heavily involved and you're heavily involved in women's rugby league as well. So that game is growing so much. Yeah, it is. And we're very proud that we, you know, we've had the women's game in our comp pretty much second, third year, I think. And we just got some come and tried, try days and we're growing it now. And we've got under 17s, five or six teams, which is, which is amazing, and you know, we just and that's the beauty now with all sports. But you know, the women's sport, there's pathways now for everyone. You know, we've got a couple of kids that have come through our carnival now that are playing Q Cup. You know, and just you know, one day we just love to see a um, male or female play uh, play uh, NRL NRLW. That would be awesome. I, I really think that what you're doing is. It is something unbelievable, and what you are creating is a very, very special way forward um, for men and women to play rugby league at a young level. And the fact that they can go there—I mean, you and Zorro—you know, you're proud. You, you would have, at, at some stage, thought, "Jesus, um, maybe, maybe after three teams, we we don't do this." You know, like, uh, are we wasting our time? But you're stuck with it to have 44 teams, Valsy. Is just phenomenal. Um, it, it, it's on the twenty fourth and twenty fifth of February in ten days' time, a ten year anniversary of the Adrian Vales Cup. But it grows the game. It helps the community. The economy prospers, but more the kids and the families. You know the, these kids from 
Toowoomba and Brisbane and, and who don't know what Charleville, do not know Charleville. They actually get to experience it. Well, that's the thing. Everyone camps at the showground as well. So that's, yeah, you've got over a thousand people camping at the showgrounds and just enjoying life and, and just having fun. And, you know, and, and, and these, you know, kids, city kids get to meet the country kids and vice versa. And we hope they, they get to know each other. And then later in life, they'll run into each other again, as you know, like the small world. And now, particularly with social media, they can keep in contact. But yeah, we're, just, we're proud, mate. We're really, really proud and just want to keep the game alive. That's the biggest key. Uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Hey, I really appreciate your time this morning, Valsy. Thanks so much for being with us. And congratulations on the Adrian Vales Cup. We'll talk to you post 24th and 25th of Feb and to Zorro as well. What an awesome, awesome thing that you guys have created. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks so much for your support, Dobbo. Good on you, mate. We'll take a break, come back with more. Well, that's it from us here at Rural Queensland today on this Valentine's Day, if it's such a thing, the 14th of February. Have a great day, Queensland, and remember when the wheat is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. We'll be back tomorrow morning. Ray Hadley to join you next. Have a great day, Queensland, and we will catch up with you tomorrow on Wednesday. Ray Hadley next. Stay safe on the roads. Till next time, from all the team here at Rural Queensland today, it's bye for now.